Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. Look, I don't mean to start off the show by scaring you because Lord knows we, we, we live in we live in scary times. You've got COVID-19 and we don't know when the pandemic is going to end and we don't know when people are going to be able to get vaccinated. You've got that. You've got all the economic uncertainty. You've got Nancy Pelosi in the House of Representatives. You've got all these scary things out there. I, I will tell you there was something that caught my attention yesterday because we, we hear a lot about hacking and and how disruptive that can be. Well, there, there's a story yesterday, if you hadn't seen it, that, that really it, it, it's something to really ratchet up your your be scared level i don't know if you saw this but in down in florida there's a community just it's called oldsmar florida and it's just right outside of tampa essentially and they have their water filtration system like like we have here in wisconsin we have all over the country and these water filtration systems the way they work is they um, they, they mix chemicals into our water. It's not just fluoride, but they do. There's, there's a formula that they use to put chemicals in the water to keep it safe to drink. And you have all these different analysts who work on the, this thing to make sure that the, the chemicals that are introduced into the water supply are what they are supposed to be. Well, apparently what happened and, and how it happened, they're, they're still trying to figure out, but they don't know who did it. Somebody is able to hack into the computer system um, last Friday at the, the water filtration plant. And what, what happens is, about 8 o'clock in the morning, a plant operator noticed that somebody had remotely accessed a computer system that he was monitoring that controls the chemicals that are used to treat the water, as well as other stuff. And... The computer system they use apparently has a software program that allows authorized users to access it remotely. So, again, it would be one of those deals where maybe you're one of the, the people who is responsible for making sure the levels of the chemicals are at a certain level, and, and you're you're not at the plant, you're working at home. Well, you have an access code that allows you to get into it. So one of the guys that's on site says, hey, I, I see that somebody's here. And so what they start to do is they start to investigate it. Then just just a brief intrusion so they don't think anything of this until they notice about 1.30 in the afternoon, somebody again enters the system remotely. And this time, the person who's hacked into the system starts opening various software functions that control the water being treated in the system. So it's sort of like when somebody steals your credit card number, you know, and, and, or your credit card or your credit card number, what they'll typically do is they want to see if it, if it works. So they'll go to, you know, a, a stop-and-go store or something, and, and they'll buy $2 worth of, of stuff. You know, they use it to buy a soda, and they use it to buy some potato chips or whatever. And then so that's the first indication that somebody's used the card because they find out, okay, the number's good, it works. And then what happens is you know, 45 minutes or an hour later, you find out that, oh, they're, they're, just, they're charging all these round trips to Italy or, or whatever on my card. Well, this appears to be a variation of that. So they, they get into the computer system. 
at this water filtration plant, they, they get in about like 8.30 in the morning. They're there for a couple of minutes and then just, just leave. Then what happens is about 1.30, they, they get back in and a plant operator observes the intruder Again, opening various software functions that control the water being treated in the system. So in other words, they're messing with the chemicals that are going into the water that's going to go out. One of the things they start messing with is the level of sodium hydroxide. And sodium hydroxide is a fancy word for lye you know, which is the main ingredient that they put in things like Drano. But what you do, there, there's a little bit of lye that is in the, the water that is delivered to your house, and, and they use it to control water acidity and to remove metals from drinking water. And a little bit of lye is fine. A lot of lye is fatal. Apparently the hacker, get this, incre- by, by remotely messing around with the numbers, increase the amount of lye from 100 parts per million to 11,100 parts per million. And it's like, if they hadn't caught it. Now, the good news is that they caught it. There's an employee that was watching this. They caught the intrusion. And the water company says, well, we have other checks in place that would have alerted operators of the problems before this water would have been released to residents. So they're saying we we have other things in the system. The the sheriff says the public was never really in danger because we've got all these different safety measures. And that may very well be the case. And this isn't, you know, all's well that ends well because they ended up catching it. But at the same time, you want to talk about being scared. You want to talk about something that goes bump in the night. If you now have these hackers that are able to get into, again, something like this, the, the water water supply system of a major community and then start messing around with the chemicals that are going to go into it, uh, that's that's a scary proposition. And the, the even scarier thing is they don't know who did this. They, they don't know if it was somebody from the United States. They don't know if it's somebody in Russia. They don't know if it's somebody in China. They have no idea who the particular hacker was. And, and this is raising all sorts of alarms, of course, because... You know, since since last year in particular, they've been noticing an increase in what they call the cyber incidents perpetrated by, you know, people who are trying to get into industrial systems. And I'm sure this kind of stuff happens every day. And again, the good news here is that they caught it before people could be poisoned. But I'm here to tell you something. Um, th- this is a pretty sort of scary thing. And you, and you understand, I mean, we, we want remote access to, to things. I mean, I can, I can access my stuff at work because I'm an authorized user and I've got the codes and I've got that sort of stuff. Um, but, but the idea that you could get into a system that, that monitors like water quality and change the amount of chemicals, pretty darn scary. Now, again, they, they caught it. And I'm sure that they're going to try to figure out how ways that they can do to make sure that this doesn't happen again. But this this is the type of cyber hack that really could have devastating consequences. And in a scary world, this goes this goes into my top ten. All right, when we come back, speaking of something not in the top ten, well, the Super Bowl from two days ago. I will explain. We will discuss. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This 
week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is the Washington County Builders Association. Check out their Home Building and Remodeling Expo all this weekend. It is going on at the Washington County Fairgrounds. Free admission Friday through Sunday to get a head start on your home renovations for the spring. All right. Uh, the Super Bowl, of course, was last Sunday. There was all sorts of controversy because there was a delay in getting the TV ratings out, and Nielsen took a took a lot of criticism for it. But the numbers are, in fact, out. And I, I don't want to overstate this because a lot of people watch the game, but... Compared to other years, the numbers are not good. The numbers came in, and what they say is that 96.4 million people watched the Super Bowl. That includes the people that watched it on CBS, around 91 million, and the people who streamed it, which was another like 5.5 million. But all in, all done, 96.4 million people. Now, that's, that's obviously a ton of people, but you have to compare it. Last year... Again, all in, all done. TV and streaming. Last year, Kansas City versus San Francisco, 102 million people watched it. So it's it's down around 8% from last year. The biggest Super Bowl number was in 2015. That's when the Patriots played the Seahawks. And back then, the, the number was 114 million. So in the space of five or six years, the, the viewership has gone from 114 million to 96 million. Roughly, again, that, that's a drop of 18 million viewers. And that does include TV and it does include streaming. Um, so down 8% from last year. The number of people who watch the game. Again, to give you some perspective, this is the lowest number of people watching the game since 2007 when Indianapolis played Chicago. That was uh, 93.1 million, and this was like 96.4 million. And, of course, streaming is a much bigger deal now than it was back in 2007. So you got to go back to 2007 to have numbers that were – anywhere near as low as what this was, 8% from last year, down dramatically from the high of five years ago. Now, again, you're talking about 96.4 million people, so that's a lot of people that ended up watching it. But um, from the perspective of the NFL, the numbers are not moving in the right direction. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, so what what happened here? Why, Why were the numbers off? Now, ratings were down in the NFL all year as a general rule. You can point to a certain game here or there that was high, but it's a general rule. Ratings were down. I think part of it was obviously the the pandemic. Part of it was the no fans in the stands that I think probably affected interest to an extent in some areas. Uh, So you've got a unique set of circumstances. And and part of it was, as far as the matchup goes, you, you, you did not have dream teams. I mean, you've got Kansas City, and you've got, you know, Tampa Bay. You've got the compelling story about Tom Brady, but, you know, a lot of people love Tom Brady. A lot of people hate Tom Brady, but you don't have big cities. Um, you've got a, a game that I, I don't know what the interest was beyond what the quarterbacks were, and you've got a weird year. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a one-year blip, or is this 
part of a, of a long-term trend that the NFL needs to be worried about. 855-616-1620. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, all in, all done. TV and streaming. You have to go back to 2007 to find a Super Bowl that had lower ratings than than this one. Um, down 8% from last year. What What's going on? Let's start with Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How you doing? Good. What do you think? What happened? I think it's very similar to the NBA Finals. I think people are turned off by the political and social agenda that the NFL and NBA are trying to advance, and they just don't watch. Mm-hmm. Well, at least some people are. I mean, that, that's again, a lot of people yep. watched. But you know, you know, it, it is interesting, Mike. I, I have a, I have a friend, my dear friend Nancy, who swore that she was not going to watch football this year because of exactly what you were talking about. She was turned off by all the political stuff, and I. I didn't think she was. I didn't think she meant it. You know, it's easy to say that, and and she didn't watch. Yes. She's a huge Packer fan. She didn't watch the games this year, and I I think there are especially a lot of casual fans that that probably were in that boat, and, and that's I think that that's part of it that's going on. I I don't know that that explains it all, but I think that's part of it. Some people were just turned off. Let me ask Absolutely. you this: Do you think they come back? How, how, does the NFL get those those people back? Those fans back? I'll tell you something. Um... Maybe if they started putting on the back of the helmets cops that were shot by black people, they might get some fans back because then it would be seem, seem equal to me. Okay, thanks for the call, Mike. Well, or, or I mean, again, I, I think it's important to take the racial elements out of, of these situations. And I, I think right now I think passions are really high on these different issues. And, and I think it's an issue that all the different leagues are trying to, you know, figure out how to deal with recognizing the, the fact that they, they want to be agents of social change. Also trying to figure this out with the notion that, yeah, you want to be agents of social change and you want to be positive and you want to be on the right side of history, whatever that means. But at the same time, you, you don't want to be so much so that you alienate, you know, your core audience who is there to, to watch to watch the game. Larry in West Bend. Larry, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I kind of have to mirror the thoughts of your previous caller. I know uh, quite a few people who had sworn off the the NFL at the start of the season, that uh, they watch football or basketball or what have you for the sport, not not for uh, it to be a platform of promoting somebody's social agenda. And uh, well, But, of course, the Super Bowl that, really that didn't caused... do... Okay. Well, but, this, I mean, this, the Super Bowl really didn't do that much. You're just talking about the overall effect of the year. Just people were kind of tuned... Some people were kind of tuned out to the NFL, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I talked to some people, hey, are you going to watch the Super Bowl? No, I, I haven't watched the league all year. Why would I start now? Um, and, uh, yeah. you know, that they hadn't they hadn't kept up with the Packers. They hadn't kept up with the league. You know, so the, the championship game was sort of meaningless because they had they had unplugged from, from watching it, and they'd been fans for years. But, um, you know, didn't, didn't like it being a platform for somebody else's social agenda. Yeah. No. Thanks for calling. Well, I think that's a, I think that's a factor. And and but I think there's a lot of stuff that that's going on. I mean, I, I think first of all, 
it's just weird with the pandemic. I, I don't know how much of that, that viewership gets rolled into the fact that we were told not to have Super Bowl parties. We were, we were told, you know, don't, don't go out to the bars. A lot of bars you couldn't go to. So if you were normally planning a big gathering, you, you weren't, you weren't able to go and do that. Now, I don't know how that might have impacted on the ratings. The, the, I, I mean, I understand that will Tom Brady win, you know, another Super Bowl was, it was an interesting narrative. A lot of people don't like Tom Brady. That's <laughs> just kind of the reality for, for whatever reason. A lot of people don't like Tom Brady. On top of that, you have teams that, that aren't from the major markets. You've got you know Kansas City and you've got, um, again, Tampa Bay. So you, you don't have like a San Francisco. You don't have a, a big East Coast team that's represented. I think all of that plays into account. So I think this was a unique Super Bowl in that regard. Politics probably plays a bit of a role, but I think there's all sorts of stuff going on as well. But you know the NFL is going to be studying this hard. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Original cream puffs from the Wisconsin State Fair for Valentine's Day. Yes, for the first time ever, you can order cocoa or strawberry cream puffs for a Valentine's Day weekend puff pop-up. Enjoy a feel-good Wisconsin tradition that we all miss. And since sharing is caring, whose day can you make with a box of cocoa or strawberry cream puffs? This is the last puff Puff pop-up. Try saying that three times fast. This is the last puff pop-up until this year's State Fair, so clear out your freezer and stock up. That's right. Original Cream Puffs freeze. Hurry and place your order before they're gone at OriginalCreamPuffs.com. And to help you get in the spirit sometime between now and 3 o'clock, I'll give at least one of you an opportunity to win a free six-pack of the State Fair Cream Puffs Three cocoa, three strawberry. Very, very cool. All right, I, I do want to share. We were just swamped with texts on the, the, the different people's theories as to why Super Bowl ratings were down. I, I think it's a combination of things. I, I think there is some still fallout from the the political um, blowback from some people, given you know all the stuff that's going on. I, I think the fact that you had two media market teams. I mean, Tampa Bay and Kansas City are not teams that that you know have. have have huge, like a tra- they're, they're very popular in Kansas City and Tampa Bay, but it's not like the Dallas Cowboys. It's not like the Green Bay Packers. They, they don't have that type of, of, um, of fan base. I think, you know, Tom Brady, you had that narrative that was out there, um, but there's a lot of people that just don't like Tom Brady, and so I, I think maybe that was a bit of a turnoff. And we live in weird times with the pandemic. But here's a couple of the theories. Jeff, I think the Brady factor is there. The halftime act wasn't great, and the NFL, I think, is just a lousy product. Jeff, I did not watch poor NFL management. I want football, not politics, in the game. Jeff, I think it's a combination of a weird year. I believe the streaker was the highlight, and that wasn't even done properly. He was wearing clothes, um, and they did not really get ramped up for the commercials like they typically do. Jeff, I boycotted this year because I had no interest in either team. Brady is great, but a boring player. Mahomes is incredible, but Kansas City just won last year. Also, little to no interest in the halftime show. Um, let's see. Jeff, I was in Tampa for the Super Bowl. I think it was three factors. Number one, Kansas City just won it. Number two, Brady has a lot of haters and won so many that it's already old news. And three, Tampa doesn't have a great national following like Dallas, Green Bay, Pittsburgh. Um, so I, I think there's a factor that's that. Jeff, you scoffed at people that said we weren't going to watch due to the kneeling BS. You can eat your words. Well, I didn't scoff at that. I, I said 
that I wasn't sure how many people would would really follow through on that. In and if you go back and listen to the tapes when we talked about those things, particularly if you were avid fans, I think the political blowback. I think it's easier for people who are casual fans as opposed to diehard fans. That is to say, like around here in Wisconsin, let's face it, most of us live and die with the Packers. And my guess is that if the Packers had been the Super Bowl, even people that said they swore off football, they would be watching. At the same time, if you're just a casual fan and you, you don't really care about Kansas City and Tampa Bay, it's 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 easier to say, um, boo, I'm, I'm not going to watch. Jeff, look at the NBA ratings. We turn to sports to escape politics, not have them smack dab in our um in our faces i hear your your potential reasons for the decline in ratings but i think you're ignoring the elephant in the room and that is that people are tired of the social justice preaching well i think there's you know i think there's clearly an element to that jeff i'm right there with your friend nancy i haven't watched a game all year since um the nonsense with the first one of the last season. You can say take race out of it, but it's all about race. Um, okay, and I almost never missed the game last year. I think this is, I think there, there is a balancing that's going on. There's no question about it. Jeff, lots of my friends didn't watch the NFL because of how they handled all the social justice stuff and how they handled the national anthem. Um, well, right, I think that that's... That That is a factor. Uh, Jeff, the seasons are getting longer every year, and unless it's their team, fans get sick of the Super Bowl hype. I read a book and just used the Super Bowl as background noise, um, except I happen to be one that liked the weekend when he performed. Um, Jeff, I wonder if Super Bowl radio ratings were up. Don't know. Have not seen them. Jeff, I watched for over 45 years. I didn't watch this year, but I had to watch Brady. Um, but candidly, I'm turned off by a lot of the social justice stuff as well, um, Jeff, I have some acquaintances to feel the same way as some of your previous callers express their sentiments, but I still believe there's a large following for NFL football. I believe there was, um, for some of us, the wind was taken out, but I think it'll bounce back. And yeah, and I don't mean to overstate this. I mean, the numbers were down, but still, with streaming and TV, there was 96 point whatever million people who watched it. So it's still going to be the most watched event of the particular year. It's just that there were a lot of factors this year. And I, again, I appreciate the, the people who were turned off a little bit by the politics. I get it. I understand it. I, I think that there's a lot of other reasons as well, including the teams that were playing. And it, it's a weird year with the pandemic. I mean, let's face it, just everything, it, it's kind of tough to take 2020 beyond you know March, whenever the pandemic first hit, through now, and, and it's just tough to look at, at numbers and try to make comparisons because there's really nothing to compare the last 11 months to. Okay, I, I, before we take a break, I want to launch into this. I have, from time to time, we, we've talked about the minimum wage. Increasing the minimum wage is one of the centerpieces of President Biden's economic re- recovery plan. He doesn't have the votes to get it through the Senate as part of the COVID relief package. So it appears that an increase in the minimum wage, if it's going to happen, is going to happen as a separate, standalone sort of thing. He wants to increase the federal minimum wage, which hasn't been changed since 2009 and is now $7.25 an hour, although I don't think there's really too many people certainly in Wisconsin, that are making $7.25 an hour. He wants to raise it to 15 bucks an hour 
over the next four years, kind of like jack it up year after year after year. All right, there's new. There's a new report out by the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, and, and here's what they say. They say if you did this, if you raise the minimum wage, even doing it gradually, what they estimate is that um, it would um, raise income for about 17 million workers. That, that's about one in ten. And it would lift about 900,000 people out of poverty. All right, so that, that's the, the good news. If the minimum wage were increased to that, they say here's the downside though, that it would increase the federal deficit by $54 billion over 10 years, and, and it would cost 1.4 million jobs by the time it was implemented. So you raise 900 million people out of, you raise 900,000 people out of poverty. You increase the, the take home income for about 17 million because instead of making $10 an hour, they're making 15 bucks an hour. So they have a little bit more money in their pocket, but 1.4 million jobs disappear. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's use these numbers as a starting point. All right, is this trade-off worth it? 855-616-1620. Candidly, I think that 1.4 million job number, I think that that's low because I don't think that's going to reflect the number of businesses that are going to be forced to close. I also don't think it's going to re- accurately reflect the desire towards automation. But everybody would like to make more money. So... Using these numbers as a starting point, do we increase the minimum wage, we help some people out, and we cost a whole bunch of people their jobs? Good trade-off, bad trade-off. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line we discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Look, it... Everybody wants to make more money. Okay, we, we, we all understand that. President Biden wants to increase the minimum wage, um, getting it from where it is now to 15 bucks an hour in the next five years, four years. That, that's kind of, that's kind of his, his plan. Now, first of all, most people don't make the minimum wage. I mean, that's around here, at least in Wisconsin. For example, I, I have friends who run fa- own fast food restaurants and things like that, and, and they'll, they'll, they don't start people at, at seven or eight bucks an hour. They can't find people that work for that will work for five for eight dollars an hour. You know, they start at ten or eleven or twelve dollars an hour. So theoretically, if you were to raise the minimum wage to fifteen, you'd also have to take those people that are making ten or eleven or twelve, and, and you'd have to increase them as well, so they're making seventeen or eighteen bucks an hour. And they just say the dynamic of this is at some point in time, especially for the, these entry-level, unskilled type of jobs, which are, are great. I'm not, de- I'm not demeaning or diminishing the, the value of that. But, you know, if you're paying the guy that's making the sandwich and objectively it's worth $10 an hour, and now the government says you have to pay him 16 or $17 an hour uh, as a, a result of raising the minimum wage, that, that means the costs for everybody else are going to go up. It also means these business owners are going to have to, in all likelihood, well, probably cut jobs. I mean, here's a couple texts before we go to the phones. Jeff, it's going to sink small businesses. Um, I'm I, I'm starting to wonder between COVID and this, is, is that the goal of government? You mean to tell me I'm supposed to pay my dishwashers 15 bucks an hour? Well, if I have to do that... I will let, I'll have to let two of them go. And, and that's, that, that's just the, the effect of it. You, you can't, if the service 
and again, the dishwashing, okay? Let's say objectively in a free market that that's, that's worth 10 or $11 an hour, and the government suddenly says you have to pay 15 bucks an hour. Well, all right, that, that, that difference has to come from somewhere, and yes, you can pass some of it on to the consumer, but oftentimes, you know, you're not going to be able to pass that all on. So if you're a struggling small business now that's been struggling because of COVID and everything else, wow. Jeff, being a small business owner, I would let most of my people go, keeping just one or two. The minimum wage was not meant to be a living wage. It's a starting point. You will also see the McDonald's of the world put in more kiosks and let people go. There, there is no question in my mind that that is, that, that that's, that is the case. There's already this movement towards automation. And at some point in time, if you're, if you're that, let, let's take the fast food franchise. And if you sit there and you look at it and say, okay, look, I, I know people would rather, when our restaurants open up again and when people can come in, we know they'd rather go up to the counter and we know that they'd rather interact with somebody behind the counter and place an order. Okay, that's great. And so we have three or four people behind the counter placing the order. But you know what? If we have to pay them all 15 bucks an hour, well, let's start looking. What if we put in a couple of these automated kiosks and instead of having four people behind the counter, we only had to have one person behind the counter because they're not taking people's orders. All they're doing is they're getting the food when it's ready and saying, okay, number 36. If you don't think it's going to happen or could happen, I'm here to tell you it's happening already. 855-616-1620. Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing? <clears throat> good. What do you think? When I started out as a teenager, I was making 125 an hour. Subsequently, uh, every time they began to say, the, the government said they were going to raise the minimum wage, everybody came out and said, we're going to lose businesses, we're going to lose jobs. Now we're up to $7 and something cents. I guarantee you, when they decided to raise it to $7 and some cents, people were screaming that, hey, we were going to lose businesses and we were going to lose jobs if we raised it to that. And so, but, but the fact is that the country, the country figured it out and we absorbed it. The fact is we've, we've had low, uh, low unemployment several times down to, down to two to three percent unemployment in this country. So if, if, if it was raised before and, 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 and the gloom and doom really didn't happen, why we, why do we think it's going to happen when it's raised to $15 an hour? Well, but let's look, well, First of all, you're talking about essentially doubling it in a four-year period of time. So that, that's, a, right. that's a substantial... In a four-year period a, of time. You're not talking about doing the media. Four-year period of time. But no, but, but you're doubling it. In, in, you know, you're, you're, you're doubling it. That's like saying, okay, Vincent, we're going to... What's gas now? It's like two twenty a gallon. It's going to be four fifty a, a gallon in four years. I mean, it, it's still going to have an, an, an impact on that. So your, your point is you don't think that this is going to have an impact on on hiring or jobs or any significant impact by increasing it? I don't think it'll have a significant impact on, 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 on employment in this country. I think innovation and, and, uh, and globalization have more of an impact on, on, on jobs than, than the minimum wage does. But the fact is, is that, and also the fact is, is that these are not the same kind of jobs that I took back in the day with working at McDonald's. These are Families working at these these low income uh, low income jobs. These people are, have children and everything else because the younger people are not taking these jobs. Everybody thinks that oh, 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 oh it's Johnny from high school taking these jobs. It's not. It's people that are working and have families. And so at some okay, point but, you have to. You, 
Go ahead. But but but, but okay. But but if if the job is if you're talking about an unskilled job, and I I, I mean I'm I'm I'll give you examples, but I don't mean to pick on those jobs. But if, if you're talking about an an un, essentially an unskilled entry level job that is objectively not worth 15 bucks an hour, why should the government be telling the employers you have to pay more than the job is worth for th- th- this unskilled person to come in and, and make sandwiches? And I don't mean to make, pick on sandwich makers, but just, just for the sake of argument, if, if the job isn't worth 15 bucks an hour, why should the government say you have to pay somebody 15 bucks an hour? Well, I think the fact is you have to raise the minimum wage. I don't know. Like I said, it's over a four-year period of time. It's not like it's immediate. So, but I think it should be the minimum wage should be raised. I think the fact is you've got a lot of lot of individuals out here again that have, that that have families that are working these low these low income these low these low income job entry level jobs, and people don't understand that. Well, okay. Thanks for calling, Vince. I mean, I, I under—I I guess I, I understand that, but these, but but again, to, to me, the the, the idea—if it, if it's an entry-level job, that 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 was never designed to be a, again a family-supporting sort of job. It was supposed to be an an, an entry-level job that somebody does. Now, if there's if there's somebody who's in the workforce that doesn't have the skills or or whatever that's out there. Well, okay, what they need to do is figure out how to get the skills to, to earn more, more money. And I guess I just look at all this and I, I just wrestle with the idea of, of what is the unintended consequence. And candidly, with all due respect to Vincent, who I appreciate is a smart caller, I, I think to suggest that raising the, raising an employer's cost, particularly Coming out of a pandemic, when you've got businesses that are closing right and left, saying to an employer, all of a sudden you're going to have to pay your your employees dramatically more. And again, let's let let's take the example. Let's not even talk about seven dollars and twenty five cents or fifty cents an hour, because like I say, I don't I don't think there's too many businesses around here that that really, uh, unless it's unless you're talking high school kids in a real entry level job. Well, let's say ten bucks an hour, which is the starting salary at a lot of places. But to say to an employer, you've got to go from ten to fifteen bucks an hour, five dollars more an hour, um, even in the space of a couple years, that that employer, especially if it's a small or a medium-sized business, has to end up saying, where am I going to get that dough? Where is the money going to come from? And, and I think it's, number one, part of it's going to be passed on to consumers, and that's all, that's all well and good. But let's face the reality of this. Part of it is going to be a, a diminished workforce. And I guess that's the trade-off. You help some people, but you cost 1.4 million people their jobs. All right. Back with lots more in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Woohoo! 15 degrees. Break out the flip-flops and the shorts. Now, um, long-term forecast. Next week or so, we are stuck in this cold weather. Again, I'm trying to be that ray of sunshine, though. It's already, we're we're into February. February is a short month, and things do, in fact, get better. So spring is just on the horizon. Hey, before we move on from our minimum wage debate, I I do want to make one final point, because I feel 
in some respects, like, like it's Groundhog Day, because we had a variation of this conversation about 10 or 11 years ago. Now, after President Obama was first elected, you, you maybe will remember, maybe not, the, the huge debate about the Affordable Care Act, uh, Obamacare. And one of the things as part of the Affordable Care Act was an intention to try to force employers to provide insurance for more of their employees. Up until the Affordable Care Act, uh, a full-time employee eligible for benefits, or at least that was required by the government to offer benefits. Now, companies could always offer part-time employees benefits if they chose. But, but you needed, in, in order to have it mandated, you had to, have, you had to be a full-time employee. You had to work 40 hours a week. The Affordable Care Act changed that, and they said for part-time workers, because we think that workers, the, the, the evil businesses are taking advantage of part-time workers, what we're going to do is we're going to say if you, if you work 30 hours or more um, in a given week on average or more than 130 hours a month, you, you, you have to be offered benefits. You have to be offered the health insurance. So this was the way that the, the government had of trying to force businesses to put more people on, on their health care plan. Okay, w- well-intentioned. I, I get it. The idea is we want to try to get more people on, on private health care, and we want to get more people taken care of in that way. That, that's all well and good. But I said this at the time. What was going to happen? Just like I'm saying, if you increase the minimum wage, you are going to see employers – that just simply go to automation or uh, figure out, okay, we're, we're going to try to be more efficient. We're going to cut our payrolls. I think that is inevitable. Well, what happened when we, we had the, the part-time thing change? Now, I'll give you an example because I saw this play out at, at this company, not this current company. But since I've been at TMJ, when I started, uh, Journal Communications was a, a privately held employee-owned company. Well, what happened is then it, it went to um, – it was a publicly traded company, and then at some point in time it ended up being the, – the, it sold it off, and us and the TV stations were bought by Scripps, and, and now you know radio is part of Good Karma, which, by the way, as an aside, is a great company to work for. But I think it was when we were a publicly traded company. I think that's when the Affordable Care Act went into place. It was the old Journal broadcast. Group, And what happened is we, we had all sorts of part-time employees. A number of my teammates, my colleagues, were, were part-time workers. And, and I had one guy I worked with who he worked about 35 hours a week. He was going to school. So he was going to school. He worked 35 hours a week. His wife had a really, really good job, and he had benefits through his wife. So he didn't even need benefits, and he was working 35 hours a week, and it was perfect. He liked working at WTMJ, liked working at the radio stations, and again, he, he, was, he was studying, he was going to school. It was, a, it was a perfect sort of fit for him. Well, what ends up happening is, after the Affordable Care Act goes in, he was working 35 hours a week. Well, the, the company didn't decide, oh, gee, let's raise him to a full-time status and let's have him start working 40 hours a week. What they did is they said, okay, well, we're going to take all these part-timers who are working 35 hours a week, and, and we're we now we're going to knock them down to 25 hours a week because the law says, you know, if you average more than 30 hours, you have to be paid benefits. So in, in the case of the guy I'm thinking of, he, he, he didn't get benefits. 
He didn't need benefits. He didn't get benefits, and he lost 10 hours a week. So he had to go out and try to find a second part-time job to make up for that that lost income that he had. And it was interesting because, like I said, I know he went into station management and said, I'm willing to waive this. I don't need the benefits. I have them through the spouse. And they said, no, we, we can't do that. So it's one of these, again, unintended consequences, but predictable consequences that, that are, are out there. And if you don't think ramping up the minimum wage to $15 an hour is going to have this sort of huge impact. And granted, it will benefit some people. It will put more money in the pockets of some people. Will it be life-changing? I don't know. But it will put more money in the pockets of some people. It will also force a lot of businesses out of business. And I fully believe these numbers where they say they think there's going to be at least 1.4 million jobs lost. I, I, I believe it. My guess is it's going to be actually a little bit higher. Okay. I'm interested in in a why question, why you think this is happening. Morgan Wallen, and and we, we talked about this story briefly when it happened last week. Morgan Wallen at least up until recently, was was a rising country music star. He, he's had two two albums that have come out, and the guy, it sounds like he's kind of a jerk and he's a party guy. And if, if you haven't heard the story, what happens is about a week and a half ago, he lives in Nashville, and he's out with his, with his buddies, and they're partying, and he comes back to his house in Nashville in the middle of the night, and he's, he's loud, and I assume he's drunk, and he's, they're, they're shouting, and one of the neighbors across the way either pulls out a cell phone or has a security camera or whatever, and it, it's trained on Wallen's house and his driveway, and Wallen is loud, and he's saying goodbye to his friends, oh, you know, all that type of stuff, and he, he shouts out something involving the, the N-word. It's like, hey, take care of take care of him, he's my blank. Okay, that, so that, that's, that's what happens, and, and he clearly says this, and it, it's captured, and the, the, the neighbor makes the tape available to TMC or whatever, TMZ and whatever, and, and then it's, it, it's all over, that he, he's using, you know, the, the N-word, and again, it's not like, well, it, it, I think I'm one of these people who believe that word is inappropriate under any circumstances, so th- th- this becomes public. He issues an immediate apology. Gee, I'm really sorry that I did this. It's just it's unacceptable, etc. Well, that's not enough. The cancel culture runs into full bore, and his record company cancels his contract. Um, he starts losing some, but but not all of his gigs. He's told that he's not going to be eligible for the Country Music Awards, all this stuff. And interestingly, country music stations all over the country, just in, in the matter of 24 to 48 hours, they cancel him. They say, okay, we're... We're not giving this guy any sort of airplay at all. We're, we're, we're taking him off the radio. All right. Well, okay, so that's, you know, and we had talked about it from, you know, that perspective. Well, it's interesting because the follow-up story is, is ever since he was canceled, since, okay, all this stuff has happened, no country music airplay, you know, no, no award shows, nothing like that, the interesting thing that's happened is his fans have started 
while responding in their way. And, and here's, let me just read you a portion of the story that I, I have here from the Chicago Tribune. Fans of Morgan Wallen are buying up the country star's latest album after a video showed him shouting a racial slur last week. Wallen's sophomore record, Dangerous, the double album, retains its top spot for a fourth week on Billboard's all-genre albums chart, less than a week after Wallen apologized for using racist language. The country music industry acted swiftly to publicly rebuke him. Radio stations and streaming services removed his songs from their playlists, but fans have responded by playing him even more. Billboard reports that his latest album sold 25,000 copies during the week ending February 4th, an increase of 102%. Billboard reported that the album's streaming numbers slightly increased by 3%, representing roughly 160 million on-demand streams. Song downloads from the album also went up 67%. The bump in interest extended beyond just the current record, which is the second one. Daily sales of his first album, If I Know Me, released in 2018, also increased from 200 to 2,500 percent. Oh, I'm sorry. Also increased from 200 to 2,500 on the week ending February 4th, according to data. So the, the interesting thing is, despite the fact that country music radio takes him off the radio, despite the fact that the streaming services say, okay, we're, we're, we're not going to be playing him, the fans are responding by buying his, his albums. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, does this, does this indicate that country music fans are, are nothing but uh, a bunch of redneck racists? Is that the take of this, or is this a possible backlash to the the cancel culture moving in in a situation like this, or is it just people that like his music and are afraid that, hey, okay, you know, if the radio's not playing it, we want it anyway, so we're going to stream it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What's, what's going on here? And I guess I've got a number of different theories, and, and and just like we talked about with the Super Bowl ratings being down, I don't know that there's any one definitive answer, but I do think part of this is a reaction to the, the cancel culture, and you're seeing it play out in real time. Some people just saying, look, the, the guy made a mistake, the guy said something really, really stupid, but, but you know what? To destroy his career, we don't agree with it. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Why do you think his album sales are up dramatically? We discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Okay, so we're talking about Morgan Wallen, who has been canceled by radio, country radio stations and streaming services and award ceremonies, and, and yet his album sales since this incident happened that he's apologized for is up. They're, they're up dramatically. So, so what's going on? Here's a text, Jeff. Because his music is good. He's young and stupid and making mistakes. He said he's sorry. They still pulled all his music, so fans are buying it since it's not on the airwaves. When other artists have done something wrong like this, they've apologized and kept working. Um, Jeff, he has apologized for his foolishness. If his life is going to be ruined for this lap, lapse, then the same ought to be done for other entertainers and rap stars who drop this word left and right. People are sick of double standards and are voting 
with their wallets. Jeff, my son, my sons love his music, and it doesn't make him a racist. And that's his son she's talking about. And certainly his fans are not necessarily racist. What it indicates is that when you're a fan of an artist and you like them because of their music, it doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with everything they say and do. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Joe in Jackson. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? What does this, what does this say? What, what, well, is there a larger point to this? Yeah, I think there is. Um, I, it, it kind of even disappoints me listening to what some of your textures are saying um, because the reality is that, you know, that kind of stuff does matter. And, and my understanding is that this isn't his first go-around with this kind of thing. Um, I don't think this is something new with him. Um, I will say that as well, far as people constantly... He's gotten, arre- he's gotten arrested outside of, like, Kid Rock's bar in Nashville like a year or two ago. I mean, he's 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 clearly a hard partier. There's no there's, there's no question about it. And, he, and he's gotten into some trouble before. I, I don't know if it's been racially motivated, but he, he's gotten into some trouble. No question about that. And and um, I think that, that the, the point about um, the, the whole idea about the cancel culture... You know, just to make a point, the NAACP apparently did reach out to him to have and uh, have this conversation about the use of the N word and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. you know, as as much in jest as it may have been, the problem is that it kind of underscores a bigger, a deeper problem that I think that exists among many, you know, white people in general when it comes to people of color and this expectation that people of color are just supposed to take it. You know, I mean, like when you when you look at the the whole sure, well, Blue let, Lives let me, Matter movement. Well, let, let, matter of fact, it's interesting. I'm going to talk about that too. But let, let's 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 focus on this one. So, he, he he's drunk. He spouts this off. Everybody, I think, I would hope most people would agree that he he's, he's wrong and it's inappropriate. It, does, should this end his career? Should should country music, should the radio stations never play him again? Should his record company never allow him to record? Should this be a career-ending moment? No, I think that's absolutely up to him. I think that's absolutely up to him. It depends from this point on on how he handles it. I mean, I don't. Well, think he says he's really sorry. He apologizes. I mean, he he's already come out and said, "Look, this was stupid. I apologize. I I regret this." What what more does he but need to imagine, do? I mean, as you can imagine, it does. It obviously is not going to end there. I mean, there has to be a continued conduct, a continued representation of a a reprehensible reprehensible um, perspective or you know viewpoint on this whole thing. I mean, it's disgusting. The, the, the idea that one of your texters texted um, is a double standard because rappers use the word. I mean, I'm sorry. When it comes from a black person's mouth, it does not encompass and encapsulate all the hatred and vitriol that it does when it comes from a white person's mouth. It just and I don't, Joe. Th- okay, and, and, I, Joe. Thanks for calling. And I, I don't. Di- and but by the way, I I I don't disagree, and I, I appreciate that. At the same time, I'm the guy who thinks. It, it's interesting because I was just over the last couple nights I was watching I was watching this thing on Rolling Stone and and about the Rolling Stone magazine and they had they had this controversy involving the rapper Ice T from back in the nineties and a lot of the the anti police things he was saying and, and the use of that word and then I was watching something with Richard Pryor and uh, about with Richard Pryor and of course you know he used that word and and I understand there is a difference but at the same time. I think we, when you hear it as part of the culture all the time, it desensitizes people, and that's why I understand the argument that it's it's different for a white person to say it and a black person to say it. I still think, and I maintain this, the world would be a better place if nobody used that particular phrase. But I guess I, I sort of look at this, and look, 
I don't I don't know that I've ever heard any of this guy's songs. And and so I and I don't know what is is in her, his heart. I, I do think we we have to balance this out. And when I hear you know people like her last caller Joe say, well I, I just I, I guess it just kind of depends. Well, who gets to decide when the guy is rehabilitated? All right, he, he said something offensive. He said something that was stupid. There's there's no question about it. He has apologized for it. So now I guess the issue becomes. Do, do, do country stations never play the guy's music again? Do we simply say that this is something that is so unforgivable that, all right, you, you have to lie low for two or three or four years or, or whatever? And I think one of the things that you're seeing, and I do think part of this is a reflection of a response to, uh, again, that, that cancel culture, where I would hope nobody is defending the language he used, because in my opinion, like I say, it is, in fact, indefensible. But at the same time, this is one of those situations where, you know, people are voting with their pocketbooks and they're, they're saying, OK, we're we're not going to turn our back on him. I, I do think there's only so many strikes that you get, though. No question about that. OK, let's take a quick. Gru, we'd have to take a break, right? OK, got to take a quick break back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I am so very glad to have you with us on a cold but sunny Tuesday afternoon. Hey, earlier on, I was telling you about the original cream puffs from the Wisconsin State Fair for Valentine's Day. And for the first time ever, you can order cocoa or strawberry cream puffs for Valentine's Day weekend at their puff pop-up. And by the way, you can freeze them as well. Well, I tell you what, to get people in the mood, I have a six-pack of cream puffs Three cocoa, three strawberry cream puffs to give to caller number 10. Caller number 10 at 855-616-1620. That is the, uh, their courtesy of our friends at originalcreampuffs.com. Three strawberry, three cocoa. Caller number 10. And you can order them at uh, originalcreampuffs.com as well. Great Valentine's Day gift. I, you know, one of the interesting things, and, and people ask me, you know, Jeff, in the years that you've been doing like radio in, in this market, what are, you know, what, what's what's the biggest change? And I, I always say that that it's it's clearly, for a while it was cell phones, but now it's clearly the internet. It, it changes just everything. It changes the way that we can interact. You know, the way that I interact with you when we do the show. That you can call in, but you can also use the text line. It, it's also the research that you do, and it, it's. Plus, you know, the Internet in general gives gives everybody an opportunity to be heard, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and, and the idea that people share things. I was thinking about that because there, there's this story. If you just pause for a moment and think about, like, like one of the really – Think about like the dumb thing that you've done in your life. You know, just to just sit there and and I'm not talking about gee, I can't believe I got married or, wh- or whatever. I'm talking about just that thing that gee, it seemed like a good idea at the time, and and I went ahead and and, and did it. Now, without the internet, most people would probably never know that you did that that really really dumb thing. But now, with the internet and people's desire to share. Everybody finds out about that since, you know, you will share. And this is the story I thought of it. I, I don't know if you've heard about it, but um, th- this, when I, I'd say a young woman, she's not, she's, she's 40 years old. She's become known as Gorilla Glue Girl. So here, here, here is the, the, the story. And, you know, this happened, oh, about 10 days or so ago. Um, apparently, she's, she, she takes a shower. And she's out of her hairspray. 
you know, does, doesn't have the, the hairspray. So instead of going to the store and buying some more hairspray or whatever, she decides she kind of looks around and say, what, what do I have here that I could use instead of my hairspray? So instead of the hairspray that she has, she apparently grabs Gorilla Spray Adhesive from the Gorilla Glue Company. Now, I, I don't know if you've, you've probably seen the Gorilla Glue ads, but or if you've ever used it, but, but Gorilla Glue is one of the most powerful adhesives in, in the world. And Gorilla Glue makes heavy-duty adhesives, use it to bond metal and ceramics and, and stone. Okay, so, you know, it's the type of thing that you, you have that, hey, I've got these two stones I'm going to try to glue together. It, it's not meant for your hair. But the, the lady grabs his phone. It, it, it's hairspray. It's adhesive. I'm, I'm looking for something that's going to keep my hair in place. So she sprays the Gorilla Glue onto her hair. And, and yes, apparently it works because, as she says, she has washed her hair on multiple occasions, 15 times. She says, I've washed my hair 15 times, and it don't move. (laughs) If you ever run out of got-to-be-glued spray, don't ever use Gorilla Glue spray adhesive unless you want your hair to be like that forever. So she posts the video of herself up on TikTok, and um, the video has 19 million viewers and counting. And again, so she's out there in the social media stratosphere, and some people are making fun of her because how could you be this dumb? Other people are like sympathetic, and they're trying to figure out ways around it. But I, I am, to me, it's it's the whole social media culture that's out there because you you think of all the the dumb things that we have all all done the, the bad choices that you've made about hey maybe maybe I can put this in there or oh boy that's salt it's not sugar that I just put into the recipe or whatever that dumb thing would be and most people never know about it but nowadays with the internet culture that's out there and the fact that everybody wants to share stuff you you, you can find out people when they do this and in this particular lady's case again she's 40 years old didn't occur to her that maybe using one of the most strongest adhesives in the world was not a good idea to put on your hair and um it's it, she's apparently now um they're describing it as a forever ponytail um gorilla glue says that rubbing alcohol a gentle combing and a delicate shampoo would likely be the best solution for her but she says um based on you know what what i've been doing it's it's not working very well apparently she's gone to a local medical facility to try to get her uh treatment the gorilla glue folks say you know we we wish her the best but you know th- this is a warning gorilla glue spray adhesive not recommended for hair so that's lesson number 1 Number one, don't do it. And number two, if you do it, maybe you want to keep that to yourself. Just saying. All right, we've got our winner of our six-pack of cream puffs. More to give away as the week rolls on. When we come back, hey, I can't pay my rent. What am I supposed to do? I'll explain. We'll discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Since the pandemic started, we have, we being the, the government, has delayed a lot of stuff. For example, there has been a foreclosure moratorium 
which has been going on for you know the better part of a year now. There has been a, a renter's eviction moratorium that has been going on for the better part of a year now. There has been a, a utility, a free a moratorium on disconnecting people's utilities that has been going on for you know better better than a year now. And and what that means is, and I, I understand where this all came from with the pandemic. The idea was, okay, we've had this huge disruption to the economy, and so especially in a time of pandemic, we don't want people who've suddenly lost their jobs to be, be thrown out on the street because they can't pay their rent or to be thrown out on the street to be evicted and have their homes foreclosed on because they, they can't pay their mortgage payments. Or we don't want people to have their utilities shut off because they, they can't pay. Okay, that and that is all well and good. But at some point in time, you, you have to end up paying the piper. And there's a number of different stories that are out there talking about how there, there have been people who either because they couldn't make their payments or because they, they chose not to because they knew that there was going to be no consequences, that, that they, they, they haven't paid their mortgages, they haven't paid their rent, they haven't paid their utilities. And now we're starting to look at what is going to be a, a huge, huge problem when these various moratoriums end, as you would think that they almost have to, because now you have people who haven't paid their utilities in 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 a year or a year and a half by the time this all ends. People who haven't paid their rent in a year or a year and a half whenever it ends. People who haven't paid their mortgages in a year or a year and a half where it, when it all ends. And so suddenly you find, like all during this, this period of time, while we've had the moratoriums on the shutoffs of the utilities or the evictions or the foreclosures, it, it hasn't stopped the, the back rent from accumulating. It hasn't stopped the mortgage payments from accumulating. It hasn't stopped the utility payments from I- occurring. So let's take an example. Let's say somebody's been, is, is, is a renter. And just to make it easy, let's say your rent is a thousand bucks a month. We, we won't even worry about the utilities now. And you have, been unable to pay this or you've been qual- so there, there hasn't been an eviction thing and now it, it's it's been a year so instead of a thousand dollars a month now you owe twelve thousand dollars it's been a year and presumably if it goes on another 90 days that will then be you know what you'll, you'll be fifteen thousand dollars in in arrears at some point in time th- there is going to be a consequence for that because you are either going to have to pay the back rent or you are, in fact, going to be evicted. And the issue becomes, what, what do we do with that? I was looking at one story. There's a group in Milwaukee who is pushing for, first of all, a continued moratorium on evictions, but also calling for rent cancellation. We, I'm quoting now from one of the stories, we want to see all this back rent that's accumulated during the coronavirus pandemic, the economic crisis, we want to see that forgiven. We want to see the federal government and the banks pay off that back rent. We want to see rent forgiveness at the federal level. All right, let's tee this up. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look. At some point in time, in the relatively near future, we're going to get a handle on the pandemic, and the, the various moratoriums are going to stop. That means 
whatever percentage, however many hundreds of thousands or millions of people have, have not been making payments, whether it's the uh, whether it's the mortgage payments or the rent payments, these are going to come due. And you're going to, in my example, if you haven't paid your rent $1,000 a month for 15 months, you're going to get a bill for 15000 bucks. And you're not going to be able in all likelihood to pay it because if you haven't been able to make the payments before, where are you going to come up with that 15 grand? So the question becomes, all right, what, what should happen here? Now, there are some groups saying the federal government should bail out the renters. The federal government should bail out the people who have the mortgages. We shouldn't foreclose. We should, you know, pay off the rent. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I think we're heading for a crisis with this regard because I do think that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to end up being evicted. At the same time, I I don't think the federal government can come in and and pay off people's back rent. Similarly, I don't think that the government can continue to say to landlords or mortgage holders, you you, you can't start collecting this money you're owed because because if you're, for example, if you're a landlord – you know, your, 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 your business, the way, this is how you make money. You could take that money and you could invest it in, in the stock market. What you've done is you've bought a, a four family house on, on Milwaukee's south side. And what you're doing is that's your investment. And you use, and you need the rent that's being paid by the renters to make your mortgage payments on this. And if the renters suddenly, if they can walk out from under having to pay you, well, you know, you, you, what do you do? How do you keep that mortgage payment current? And you end up losing this. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How do we handle this? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, Jeff, who is going to bail out the landlords? I have three duplexes. No one is paying, even though I know they are still working. I am screwed. My credit rating is plummeting. Yeah, look, there's no question that that this all these moratoriums and stuff very very well intentioned. There's also no question in my mind that there's some people who have been taking advantage of these things, saying, "Hey, I, I know." It's just like every year when you have the utility, the moratorium on utility shutoffs. There are some people who just decide to take advantage of it, saying, hey, I, I know that if I don't make my car payment, they're going to repossess my car, but I know if I don't pay my utilities, well, they, they can't turn off the utilities, so you, you just make that decision. Jeff, when do people take responsibility for their choices? Where does it stop? Car loans, credit cards, cable subscribers, mobile phone contacts. How is it that other people found jobs and others didn't? Sounds like excuse-making to me. Jeff, I am, as a property owner, I am appalled at the thought that now the government is going to bail out the renters. As you said, I still have a mortgage to pay. I still have property taxes to pay. And God knows I'm not getting any break on those. So I'm not bringing in my normal income by nobody's fault, but they don't have to pay and I still do. 855-616-1620. Joe in Green Bay. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Uh, uh, good afternoon or good morning. <laughs> it depends Hi, on Joe. your look. Uh, yeah. Hi. I have um, a thought on this. Yeah, again, yes, it's nobody's fault. Um, and, but I think you have four choices. And that would be um, one, either you forgive, you forgive it and uh, we just have to move forward. Two, you offer um, uh, a special tax break that only uh, mortgage holders and, uh, you know, landlords of that sort would be eligible for. 
free, you have a combination of those two, uh, the uh, tax breaks and the, uh, um, uh, you know, forgiveness uh, portion. And finally, four, if you don't do anything, I think, along those lines, you're going to have a heck of a lot of people that are going to end up homeless. And you think you have a problem now? Imagine that. Well, it... Well, no, thanks, thanks for calling, Joe. No, it, it, it's going to be a mess. This, this is, this isn't light at the end of the tunnel. This is a train coming the other way. But part of it is the problem that we have created for ourselves. It's kind of an interesting idea. Gee, let's say for those landlords who haven't been paid, you know, do you, if we would say, okay, we're going to give you forbearance. We're going to, we're going to waive your property taxes for a year. All right, or two years or three years. You think the local governments would be willing to do that? I kind of doubt it. Kay in Madison. Kay, good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, you're covered. I mean, it's, it's, I, I manage my father's rental properties. Um, it was his retirement. It pays for him to be in his nursing home. If you start forgiving the rent that's owed, and we have tenants that owe us a lot of money, um, I don't have the money then to pay his nursing home bills. So, are they just as you had said? Are they going to start waiving it so I don't have? Maybe I shouldn't have written out that check for twenty thousand dollars for insurance. I'd like to have that money back and just waive it. I mean, it's a trickle down effect. Once you start waiving it for one, you're going to have to waive it for all. And I don't think the powers that be, no matter who's in office, understand. Sometimes, and this may some people may think this means putting the hands money in the hands of the resident is not putting the money in the hand of the landlord. And putting it in the landlord's hand is what's going to keep them in their houses and and rental units. It is, Kay. Thank, thanks for calling. Sorry, I'd like to talk more, but I'm kind of up against the clock. But yeah, it, that's, and, and you do, look, I understand this came from a good place that we want to bail people out. But the fact that it's gone on as long as it had has, has made, I think, a problem that was always bad even worse. Okay, it's 159, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Okay, I, you know, for the last two hours, we have avoided talking about the, the impeachment. And I think, in, in general, I understand that it's going on. One of our texters said, I can't believe that it's been two hours into your show. I can't believe that you're talking about all this other stuff and you're not discussing the impeachment. How dare you? How dare you spend a couple minutes talking about the gal who put, like, the gorilla glue in her hair? That, don't you understand that there is an historic impeachment that's going on now? And yet it's, I, I understand there's an historic impeachment that is going on, and we've talked about it a lot. My frustration, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to vent in, in this segment, um, because because here's here's what's going to happen, and I've seen this play out over the last four years, and I've tried to explain this phenomena. There are people out there who hate Donald Trump, and, and a lot of people in the mainstream media, and they just absolutely hate Donald Trump, and have hated Donald Trump since he was elected, you know, in November of 2016. There are people who absolutely love Donald Trump, who think that he can do nothing wrong. And over the last several years, I've sort of been in the middle. I I don't view him as the Antichrist, and at the same time, I don't think he's a guy that walks on on water. I think he's very, very flawed. I think during his administration, he accomplished many good things, and I think in many respects, he was his own worst enemy. And I think his I think his behavior after losing the election in November was absolutely abysmal, just absolutely abysmal. I've also 
now seen multiple impeachment efforts just just since I, I've been doing I've been working on the radio. You, you saw the, the effort to try to impeach Bill Clinton that ended up going nowhere. You saw the effort to impeach Donald Trump when he was still in office a year ago that went absolutely nowhere. Donald Trump is now out of office as a practical matter. I believe his political career is over. I think it is absolutely in tatters. And I'm not saying that there aren't people who, who still wish he was president or might vote for him again. But I'm here to tell you, the best thing that could possibly happen to Democrats in 2024, whether it's Joe Biden running again or Kamala Harris or somebody else, the best thing that could happen to them would be if a 78-year-old Donald Trump tried to restart his political career and run for office again because he lost this time. And, yes, I understand there's some people out there who don't believe the results of the election, but, but he lost. And if you lost as the sitting president, trust me, four years from now, the, 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 vibe, the, the vibe is not going to be any different. So the, the reality is, at least in my opinion, Donald Trump's career as an elected officer is is done and what happens with the impeachment whether he is convicted in the senate or not it's not going to change trump's life one one way or the other if he were to be convicted it's not going to mean that the trump followers are going to stop following him and i don't know that it means that the people who hate donald trump are going to feel any more vindicated so i, I look at all this stuff and Trump is out of office. And my reaction to this is, okay, what, why are we going through th- this, this exercise? Especially given the fact, and I've tried to explain this before, and I understand some people don't want to hear it, but we, we, the results are preordained. Right? The results are, are preordained. Democrats are going to vote in a block to convict him in the Senate. That's going to be 50 votes. There will be a handful of Republican senators who will go along and will vote as well. I've kind of set the over-under as as eight, and that, that would be like the betting line. Would it be more or less than eight? But regardless, it's not going to be 17, which is what you would need for the impeachment, assuming for the sake of argument that some of the constitutional scholars are right and that you can even impeach somebody who's already out of office. Okay, So the bottom line is we we know what is going to happen. And right now, one of Trump's defense attorneys is, is giving, you know, the start of his presentation, whether the vote is at the end of this week or early next week or whatever, we, we know what the outcome of this is going to be. The outcome is going to be that Donald Trump is going to be acquitted. He's not going to be convicted, and that will embolden some of you, and it will outrage some of you, but it is the reality. It is the political reality that is out there. Um, so nothing is going to change. So why are we going through this? Well, I think there is an element, let's be honest here, there is an element of political theater that is going on here. You have the Democrats who recognize that their side is united in its hatred of Donald Trump. They understand that the Republicans are divided. There's lots of conservatives who are appalled at at Donald Trump and just kind of want him to go away. And there's other people, other conservatives, Republicans, who who just continue to be enamored with President Trump. And so their approach to this is the Democrats say, okay, this this is a wedge. We can use this to further divide the, the Republican Party between the people that can't stand Trump and the people that just absolutely love Trump. So there is this element of political theater that's out there. But the result is is predetermined. 
The, the result, you know what's going to happen. I, I can't tell you exactly whether it will be 55 people that vote to convict him or whether it will be 57 people or 59 people, but I can tell you it's not going to be 67. Everybody understands that that is going to be the case. So what we are doing here is we're, we're going through all these hoops, and at the end of this process, whenever that ends, Donald Trump will be able to say, okay, I, I was not only the president who was impeached twice by his enemies, but I was also acquitted twice in, in the Senate, and he's going to go to Mar-a-Lago, and he's going to play golf, and he's going to you know show up on some of the, the real hard conservative news media and things like that, and he's going to try to be a player in Republican Party politics um, in some way, shape, or form, and how well that works, I, I don't know. don't know what it's going to look like two years or four years from now, but, but this impeachment isn't going to, as a practical matter, accomplish anything. And, and by the way, even if he were impeached, he's already out of office. So it's not like, it's not like the impeachment a year ago where you would re- replace him. All right, so that, that's kind of my background on, on this. And I admit that there's this degree of frustration that, that's, that we're going through all this stuff when we have all these other issues that are there because we know how this is going to turn out. Right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is this process, and if you want to argue with me that I'm wrong, that, that the results are going to be something different than I'm telling you, that, that's fine. I'm, I'm willing to discuss it, but it, it's, it's very apparent where this is all going. So and I, I say that this is political theater. I understand the politics behind this. But from the perspective of the country, Moving forward, is is this impeachment trial, knowing how it's going to turn out, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. We'll get to the phones in just a minute. Let's uh, get swamped with texts here. Jeff, this impeachment is farce, is beyond ridiculous. America has much more important topics to focus on, so much for unity. Jeff, why do so many Republicans think that what he did was okay? He is a liar, and his lies resulted in the storming of the Capitol. Why can't they admit it? Well, I, I think they're, they're I think the texter is mixing up two different things. I don't know that there's too many people that think that what he did was okay. The question is, he's out of office now. Is this an impeachable offense? Jeff, I believe this is nothing more than political theater. It's simply a waste of time and money. Frankly, it sort of disgusts me. Jeff, I think this is an intentional distraction by the Democrats. They have both houses, and now people expect them to accomplish things, make lives better, and they don't have the answers. Jeff, I think impeachment is a bad thing. It's just going to further divide the country. Um, Jeff, he won't be convicted, but Trump can't be allowed to get away with at least some of, without some sort of attention to his sedition attempt. Okay, well, which, which brings me to the point that I have been arguing for months, that the, or at least weeks, and I argued for the last impeachment as well, that, that the better way to have handled this would have been a, a censure resolution because he's not going to be convicted. He, that's just the reality. Um, Jeff, censure would be the way to go if you want to actually accomplish something tangible. This is political theater, and both sides know it. Stamping Trump as impeached twice is the main goal. They want a scar on his leg. 
legacy. Jeff, much like the first impeachment, this is a waste of time and money. Jeff, it's a total waste of time, but why do anything for American people with their time? Jeff, no, it's not good. I think it's ridiculous. Jeff, the reason this needs to be done is so voters are able to know which senators have no problem with a president inciting a mob that leads to the death of police officers and storming of our Capitol. Okay, here, here's, and I would just give you my political assessment on this and, and feel free to disagree, but I, I remember, I remember last February when we were having the same conversation about, about the last impeachment. And I was arguing again in favor of the censure resolution, and people were saying, oh, no, no, we've got to get these senators on the record for this because there's going to be retribution if they don't vote to impeach. I am willing to bet that the, the decision as to whether to impeach last February, February of, 19, of 2019, 2020, made no difference as to some, whether somebody voted to re-elect a president or not. In other words, gee, I would have really voted for Senator Wagner, but, you know, he voted against impeachment, so now I'm going to vote, I'm going to vote against him. And that, that's just not going to happen. This is going to be forgotten a month from now. And the, the idea that, gee, Senator so-and-so voted not to impeach, and so now I'm not going to vote for him or her in 2022 or 2024, it's... That that's just that's not a political reality. This this will be forgotten within a, a matter of weeks, probably. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with Fred in Wind Lake. Fred, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Um, hi. I, I believe. Hi. I believe that that they have to they have to impeach him. Okay. If, if we allow this to go unpunished in any way or shape or form, okay, this will encourage someone to be able to do this again. And there will be another Donald Trump. There will be another Donald Trump. And if you, if you don't prosecute, okay, it's going to encourage the next person to come along, the next president to come along and do the same thing. Now, it might not okay, be the le- do- next election cycle. Okay, Fred, there you disagree with my problem. assessment, though, that he's not going to be convicted. I mean, that, that the reality of no, this people, is, do you disagree that you think he's going to be convicted? No, no, I, you're probably right, okay? You okay. are probably right. He will not be convicted, but you still have to go through with it. Because just, just allowing it to go, to go unprosecuted sets a precedence for a future president to do this. And it, there's going to be another Donald Trump. No. Okay, thanks for calling, Fred. I mean, I, I guess the, the, the idea, see, I, I think you could make an argument that just like I, I made this argument with the, the, the kooky congresswoman from Georgia, uh, Congresswoman Green, who, okay, so again, in an act of political theater, the, the Democrats decide to strip her of her committee assignments based largely on all sorts of kooky things she said, based largely, not exclusively, but largely on kooky things she said before she got into Congress, all right? Um, just like I think in some respects that emboldens her and her supporters, I think you can make an argument that Donald Trump being acquitted, and he will be acquitted, 
That, that's, and I understand some people don't want to hear that, but that's, that's just, everybody understands that from President Biden on. Everybody's looking at the math and he's going to be acquitted. So some people think that that's actually going to embolden President Trump. Now, if, if you're into kind of the real conspiracy stuff, there are some people out there who think that that's what some Democrats want. It's, let's have this political theater that's there. And then when he's acquitted, that will embolden him to be more of a political player than he otherwise would have been. And then we can use that to to continue to divide the Republican Party, I, 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 I don't know, I don't know where I, how I stand, feel about that whole thing. I just keep coming back to that the best thing in the world would have been to introduce a censure resolution, which would have had broad, I think, or at least bipartisan support for it, and it would have accomplished everything that you're going to accomplish with a failed impeachment effort. And that's what this is going to be. It's going to be a failed impeachment effort. Um, Gail in Kenosha. Gail, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Actually, I Hi, kind Gail. of agree with part of what he said. Hi. And part of it, I, I don't know if I understand correctly that I know that there are people on both sides. Some people love him. Some people hate him. And that often happens in politics. My problem is if we don't do anything this time to say, well, it's too late to impeach him, but let's impeach him. And then afterwards, it's too late. Um, I think something should be done, even if it's just to send a message, because I believe the Republican Party is split also, but I think they're starting to lean a little bit more radically, and I don't know, maybe the Dems are too, but I think one way is kind of dangerous. And if nothing is done, then I agree he's definitely going to be acquitted. There's no doubt in my mind. But what if the next time comes along, maybe it would help that something happened in terms of They'll stop well, it and say, "Okay, no more." Okay, well, well, thanks, thanks for call, Gail. I, I, you know, I, I guess I, I understand you. You want to do something as a deterrent, but if the effect of this is going to be you don't have the political support, enough bipartisan support, or enough votes, so what? What ends? What is going to be the deterrent if if Donald Trump gets? gets acquitted. Now, I do happen to think that this is kind of a, a one-off sort of thing, and I, 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 I'm not sure. I mean, our first caller, Fred, was saying there's going to be another Donald Trump. I, 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 don't, I don't know that there's going to be anybody like Donald Trump uh, again, and this is kind of a unique set of facts and circumstances, and you, you have... Uh, I, I, look, I, I, I think, and I, I was very critical when I, I heard his remarks, and as, as I said, I think he hurt his legacy desperately by not accepting the fact that he lost the election and mounting all these sort of frivolous challenges and by a, a lot of the rhetoric he used, whether it's it's sedition. I, I think that's a, a big step. I got some people texting me, well, he, he, he needs to be held liable for treason. Well, okay, if there's prosecutors out there that think that this language that he used constitutes treason, treason well, then, then they're charging with treason. Now, I, I don't think there's too many out there that believe that because... From a legal perspective, I don't think it, it fits that. Impeachment is a different animal, but he's not going to be impeached. That's He's not going to be convicted. He's already been impeached. That's why they should have gone the censure route to begin with. It's 2.53. When we come back, let's find out what John and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.